Hello, true Texans, and welcome to the very first episode of TTP at Home. Fran and I are very excited to be with you here today. And Fran, I guess we're really doing this. We have like the official mugs. We have the and we have these great mug. big microphones. So yes. we are officially doing a podcast. So maybe share with them a little bit about why we're doing it. Well, you know, we cannot overstate the size of the state of Texas. It's a big state, and we have opened 18 locations all around the state in the last few years, but we're still missing people who live too far away from our satellite groups to attend meetings. So we came up with this idea for a true Texas project at home, and that's what our podcast is about. Each month, we will talk about things like legislation, elections, upcoming events, We'll interview some of our featured uh, guest speakers for that month, and we'll always provide you with action items. That's the most important thing, that because, we want you to do something yes. at home no matter where you are in Texas. And we are known for our action. We are a, a group of action, and we want to force or focus on that, not force it. Maybe force focus it. Focus on it. <laughs> So our hope is that you will watch at home and and not by yourself, you know, invite friends, invite family, come in, have a TTP meeting in your home uh, using the recording, and you can do it at your leisure at the right time and place for you, and then just go out and do something. That's all we ever ask of our people is do something. Yes, do something and start here. So um, we have a fantastic guest speaker lined up um, for our our first, you know, our launch of our first podcast. We're super excited about him, and we know you're going to be too. And why don't we just bring in Attorney General Ken Paxton now? All right. So um, there's so much I want to talk about with you. Um, first of all, I just want to say that I got to hear you speak the other day, and you ha you are like on fire. Like I know that they probably thought they were knocking you down with the whole impeachment thing. So we'll start with that. Um, but I feel like all it's done has it, it's just you've exploded, and you don't care what anybody thinks, and you are out to do the right thing. Yeah, for a long time, I think we've all known the house is a problem, and because they're Republicans, it's been difficult to like really counter them. It's easy to counter Democrats because mm -hmm. they're not in your party. And so it's, it's, it's challenging to figure out what to do. But when they become so obviously your enemy and the enemy of the people, mm -hmm. which they clearly have become, I think my case gave the opportunity for people to see how out of control our Republican leadership is and how they have co-opted our agenda because mm -hmm. they're not getting our agenda accomplished. Right. But what happened to me highlighted very publicly how vicious they are and how they don't care about the law. They don't follow the law. Mm -hmm. It doesn't apply to them. And how they're all about power and all the power centered in Washington. I mean, not Washington, it feels like it, in, in Austin. And it's not centered with the people who elected them. They don't care about them. Right. And it became very clear to me and very clear to the public. And so it's given us, I think, an opportunity. I, I mean, I wouldn't have chosen this path huh, myself. No. <laughs> but now that it's happened, and I, I think I saw this, even when it was happening to me, this if we could be successful, I could be successful, then I could be a part of changing something that has to change or we will lose Texas. Yes. It's yeah. made a huge difference for us because yes. Fran and I have been beating this drum for 
15 years, right? And, you know, even like when you first got in the House and, you know, we worked together even then. um, But when you have an actual elected official saying the same things we're saying, it just— it makes so much more of a well, difference. Well, and I also have a really good example, right? I have things I, that happened to me that I can talk about. This is how they dealt with me. Imagine how they deal with their own constituents. If they're willing to do such horrible things to me and not follow state law and affirmatively try to do really bad things to me, mm-hmm. who, who, who wouldn't they do that to? Right. And we stressed that from the beginning that, you know, if they can get away with doing this to Ken Paxson, they can get away with doing it to anybody, and they absolutely will, uh, you know, well, if we're able to get it. Well, it also demonstrates a real arrogance, right? Because yes. they're like, <laughs> look, we there's nobody, I mean, other elected Republican statewide officials who just got elected with over 4 million votes, who overwhelmingly won a primary, we are so powerful that we don't have to follow law. We can we can decide instead of the elected people, the people electing somebody. We as politicians are the ones that are going to decide this. We're going to overrule an election. How is that any different than what happens in Venezuela or you know China? Yeah. And these guys have the same mentality. Like we're smarter, we're better than our own constituents at making these assessments, and we're going to do it. Okay, so we we're ready to put a stop to that, and I think you are too, and you've shown that with a lot of the uh, endorsements that you're making for House candidates that are running. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? I noticed that uh, there's about 26 that you're endorsing that uh, Governor Abbott is endorsing on the other side. How does Which that is a pretty feel? big deal. That's <laughs> yeah. Look, I, you know, I can't speak for him. I think he's focused on one issue. I'm focused on broader things. I care about school choice as much as he has. I've been fighting for that for the whole time that I've been in, in public office because I think it's parents that should decide where their money goes, not the government. Um, but there's more to it. And and there's, there's you know, border security. There's, there's what happened to me. There's uh, election integrity. There's all kinds of issues that if we don't resolve those— School choice will never get done anyway. Okay. So they're not. School choice is not the first issue. To me, the first issue is election integrity. And these guys have demonstrated that they don't want voter fraud prosecuted. They even tried to 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 make it hard for me to prosecute voter fraud by lessening. Yeah, I want to talk about that. The mental state that I would yeah. have to prove. So I'd have to prove that somebody knew the law, which I can't prove. I can never prove that somebody knew the law. But they tried to change that before they cut the penalty down. They tried to sneak something in that would have made it. And then, of course, the criminal court appeals went in and did yes. what they were going to do anyway. But without election integrity, everything else we care about goes away. So all these other issues that the governor cares about or that the lieutenant governor cares or that I care about don't matter if we can't fix that. Right. Right. Okay. So for those who are watching, I want you to understand that um, the whole— I want you to talk about how the courts aren't—they're not letting you try the election integrity cases because we had a guest speaker that made the circuit to all of our True Texas Project locations. It was Michelle Slaughter, who's on the court, um, and she knew we were against how she voted, and she used that platform to— boost what she was saying and and try to negate what we were saying. And so I want you to set the record straight and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah. So this is a fundamental to our state survival and to the country's survival. What she's doing is as bad a thing as I've ever seen. This is the most um, insidious, evil plot to take our state, and she's a big part of it. Whether she understands that, I think she does. She's taken money from Texas for lawsuit reform. All three of them have. 
she's taken it. They're, when they're you the, say all three, he's talking about the three, the three that are that, up for re-election. The re three that are up for re-election. I've taken money from them. They are the ones that tried to beat me in the primary with George P. Bush and Eva Guzman and the rest. They're also the ones that spent money on getting people elected to impeach me. And they put the most money between the house, on the House managers. And now, not only has she taken money from them, but she's also taken money from Rusty Harden, who was the head lawyer for the House managers trying to impeach me. So oh. she's... I mean, we know who's behind her. She's made it very clear with her with the money that's being that she's taken that she's on the other side. So let me explain what she did and what the other please do. Yeah. And 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 Kevin Yuri, God bless him, he is a hero. He's the one guy that's one of my up favorites. And, yeah. He is a hero and he should be noted as that. Now he's not up. People don't understand the Court of Criminal Appeals. No one understands. I go around and I talk <laughs> about this everywhere, and nobody even knows who they are. And that's how they beat us. Mm-hmm. So what George Soros did was he focused on a couple of things. He focused on three areas, he, and he's very bright. He 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 got DAs, district attorneys, elected in the liberal counties. So, for instance, in Travis or Bear County, I used to work with the Democratic DAs because that's all you got. Mm-hmm. They would at least prosecute. Well, Soros didn't like that. So he went in and he changed out the DAs. We had no say in it because it's a Democratic county. We can't stop it. Mm-hmm. So in all the big counties now, Soros controls the DAs. Then I'm convinced that he manipulated the Court of Criminal Appeals, however he did that, to come in and strike down a statute. They did this a little over two years ago, and they did it two days after the filing deadline for anybody to file against any of them. So there were three members up. They waited till two days after, and they struck down a statute from 1951 that had thousands of cases of precedent that directed the Attorney General of Texas to prosecute voter fraud. Well, why is that important? Well, because these local DAs aren't going to do it. Right. Why would they? And so now they're saying it's unconstitutional for the attorney general because of separation of powers, because I'm in the executive branch. I'm not allowed to go to court. That's what they said. That that was, well, how is it that for 71 years Mm -hmm. they said it was okay for me to go to court? The legislature directed, and by the way, the legislature, the four things that I'm, there's four things that I'm supposed to do as attorney general. I'm supposed to represent the state in front of the Supreme Court. I'm supposed to issue such opinions as are requested by certain legislators or the governor. I'm supposed to um, fight corporate fraud, and I'm supposed to do such things as are required by law. And that's the key, right? This was required by law in 1951 because I'm guessing that local DAs were not prosecuting voter fraud, Mm -hmm. and they were concerned about it. So this, this Court of Criminal Appeals suddenly, out of the blue, strikes this down and says, nope, you can't prosecute voter fraud. It came out of nowhere. And if they're right that it's that it's wrong for the attorney general to be in court, I have 38,000 civil cases that we're working on at one time. The Supreme Court should tell me I can't go to court. And they should say all the cases that the uh, attorney general has been involved in for 100 and <laughs> whatever years. And every other state should uh-huh. come in and say, wait a minute. Oh, my gosh, the court of criminals, they figured it out that it's illegal, unconstitutional for our attorney general to go to court because it's the same principle. So why for, have an attorney general? Well, and how is it since the founding of our country that no mm-hmm. one, that the founders didn't even understand this? Right. No state has figured this out, but our court of criminal appeals suddenly, through some genius, Michelle <laughs> Slaughter has figured out oh, no. that it's unconstitutional <laughs> for me to go to court. That is not right. That is just made up. And I have the question, why all of a sudden... Mm-hmm. Unless there's an agenda here. There's and, always an agenda. And the third piece was they wanted to take me out. If they take me out, they take out the DAs, and they get the Court of Criminal Appeals, there's no remedy. There's no way to fix this. And so the two ways to fix this are we have to get Gina Parker, David Schenck, 
and Lee Finley elected, or we are going to lose the state. Second, we have to change the House because I asked them, the House and the Senate, mm-hmm. to reauthorize me to go after voter fraud mm-hmm. so that the Court of Criminal Appeals would have to strike it down again and overrule the legislature again mm-hmm. and overrule the Constitution again, which would be a lot harder. So the Senate passed it. The House, I was told that Dade, Dade Field obviously will never call me back, has never called me back on anything. Right. And he told, or he was, he directed through his other leadership people that they didn't have time to do this. So that's why it's so critical. That's why I'm working on these House races, and that's why I'm working on the Court of Criminal Appeals, because I believe we don't have long. And I am very motivated to get this fixed now, because if we don't fix it now, once they take the state with voter fraud, and right now, they can announce, we're going to cheat. Mm-hmm. We're going to cheat in Travis County, Harris County, Dallas County, and we need 600,000 votes to beat Trump, and we need this many votes. To, and we would be able to do nothing. Right. So you have two um, solutions there, and I want to break those down and talk about those separately. So the first one, you're not even on the ballot, right? And you are traveling the state and putting all kinds of time and money and effort into these races. Um, And you mentioned the three, and I want to make sure that those that are watching understand what those three races are against um, the incumbents, Mm -hmm. Michelle Slaughter and... Robert Hervey and... Can you remember? See, I can't even name them right off the Like, we don't care about their names because what we care about are the other people we're supporting, right? So those names are on our website. The challengers that are challenging them are on our website. But let's talk about them because you know me. Like, if there's something to be talked about, we're going to talk about it. And we're not going to beat around the bush and and try to play nice and be politically correct. But the person running against Michelle Slaughter isn't really the candidate of your dreams, right? So the other two that you're— Name them, the, the two that are David easy. Shank David Shank and Gina Parker. Gina yeah, we love both of them, yes. right? Okay, so Fran and I have interviewed them. They're great. Um, the third one is Lee Finley, and he's the run, one running against Michelle Slaughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and not everybody likes him. Tell us why we should overlook that, or what do we so do with here's that? Here's what I'd say. First of all, I think you should you should talk to him. We did. We did, <clears throat> yeah. So I don't know the whole story. I don't know all the details, but here's what I'd say. It was very difficult to get three people to get into this race yes. because these are incumbents. They've been there a long time. <clears throat> they tend to be hard to beat. We got three people, exactly. We didn't get an extra person. We didn't have a choice. When you're dealing with uh, electing people, there's, first of all, no perfect candidates. Okay. Even the ones that you said were good, I guarantee you we could find imperfections mm-hmm. with all of them. That's what we're, we're stuck with as human beings. We have imperfect people. What I would say is, Sometimes you may not have, and I'm not speaking to, to the truth of whether his, the, the accusations against him are true or not. What I'm telling you is that we don't elect three members, and she's done the best at kind of, obvi- kind of hiding the truth and trying to pretend like she's in the game with us when she's not. Mm-hmm. She's not. Um, but my concern is, okay, you can find fault. I'm not saying it's not even true. But what I'm saying is if we don't elect those three, that we are going to lose the state. And so we can play the game and let Michelle Slaughter kind of trick us into saying, well, he's not perfect, and he may not be. But we we cannot lose these races. We have to, because we need, we're already going to be, even if with Kevin Urey, we're already down 8-1. If we win all three, we're still down 5-4. We still have another cycle. We have to fight them. And if we don't, if we're not successful this time, it makes it less likely. And they will be emboldened that they've held on and know that they can by... Right. And, and look, 
I don't know if we can recruit three people next time. It was really challenging to recruit three people. Right. This is not like a high-paying job. This is no glory. No one knows who you are. There's no <laughs> real like reason to do this unless you believe in the cause. Right. Okay. So I just want everyone to know that we did, our, our board took a vote. You'll see it on our um, website that we did end up supporting Lee. It wasn't unanimous and it's not a full-on endorsement, but in our voting recommendations, it does say Lee. So we've already gotten some pushback. So I really appreciate you. And by the way, that. I get it. I understand that there, there, there are concerns. I'm not dismissing those. I don't know that what's true and what's not true. All I'm saying is sometimes you have to look at the greater purpose. And the greater cause here is in order to save our state, we might end up with somebody that maybe wasn't our first choice, but there is no other choice. Yeah. So right. I don't know what to do about that because I don't know how to get anybody else to run. It's too late. Well, and we try. We'll go for it and let's see what happens. Yeah. So the voters will decide. Um, but so you've got the 27, is that what you said it was? 27? 26. 26 House reps or are mm -hmm. some of them Senate? No, that's all House. There, all I House. endorsed one Senate, Carrie DeMore, um, for Senate. Okay. Mostly focused on the House. Okay. Yeah. And we've got most of those, I think, on our website. But Fran, you so. were just telling me about some border issues that we wanted to uh, address with Ken while we have him. Yeah, well, uh, you've just been a champion in fighting back against the Biden administration on, on border issues. And I think for all of our supporters, border issues are right at the very top of their priority list. So maybe you could talk a little bit about uh, some recent successes. I read sure. about some in the news this morning. There's Shelby Park down in Eagle Pass. And then the border bu border buoys, yeah. I heard we get to keep them. Yeah, so far. So it's a constant struggle. So yeah. there's like four kind of cases going right now on immigration. So when they took me out of office for those four months, I couldn't do anything, but I was still watching. And, and you I, didn't get paid. We didn't mention that. Yeah. You know, but that was that really, probably needs to be addressed too. <laughs> yeah, we can come back to that. That was wrong uh, and illegal, but it was done. So one of the cases that I wanted to bring, we brought it very quickly, was I noticed while I was out that they were cutting, our, the, the Border Patrol, the federal agents were cutting down our fences mm -hmm. and allowing... It's like you guys have a big border to let people into, and you're doing it all over. Like you, you can't, you're going to come onto our property and cut mm. down our property that we spent money on, and that we're trying to protect our state with. And so we immediately sued them, and we now have an injunction that is now going. It's in the Fifth Circuit. The buoy case is at the Fifth Circuit, and right now we still have the buoys in place. So we fought that. That was something that um, the governor put out. Shelby Park, the governor took over that park. It's only two and a half miles. But it's pretty important to the federal government, apparently, because they have 1,250 miles or more of border with t Texas and Mexico, and yet somehow they're fighting over this. Mm -hmm. But they used to use that as a staging ground, and they sent a threatening letter to me um, telling me that, that we were violating federal law, that they have a right to be on our property. And I basically sent a, a letter back saying, you know, you're misquoting federal law. You do not have a right to be on our property. You have a right to come on if you're actually enforcing um immigration law, but there's no evidence that you are. Mm -mm. So if you can demonstrate that you're actually trying to keep people out instead of letting them in, then maybe you might have a case, but you don't have a case. So, you know, you may have lawyers, we have lawyers. Let's <laughs> let's find out what's what's going on. So nice. I was pretty some hardball. Yes. I basically said we're not giving in. So you know So tell me about that Fifth Circuit court. Is that where did how do they tend to go? So the way it works is there's um there's Many of them. I think there's 15 of them. And there's you end up drawing for for an argument three, a panel of three. And you may get a panel that's favorable to you, you may get an unfavorable. Okay. So we had, I'm trying to remember what was the Bowie case or the 
concertina wire case. One of them we had a 2-1 loss. So we asked for a... I think it was the Boyd case. I think it was two. So then we asked for the whole court. Well, now we're getting the whole court. So um, so that's always an option? Like It's an option. Now, they don't like have to appeal. grant it. And then you have a, an appeal to the Supreme Court, which, you know, they hear 80 cases a year, so you don't necessarily get that either. Right. But some of these cases we tend to get, we get to go up. Um, so we'll see what happens. We got, we're going in front of the entire court, which gives me some optimism that they took it, right? Because we had lost, uh-huh. but they, we still have the injunction in place. But, you know, we didn't necessarily expect to win given the panel that we drew. Okay. Well, um, I know that we have kept you longer than you said we could have you for. <laughs> so I don't want to take advantage of that. But I would, if you have time, I sure. would like you to address why you don't mess with someone's paycheck. I mean, like, that's insane to me. Like, who would do that? So so it was really crazy because, you know, they didn't prove anything, right? They These were allegations, which they had never brought any test. I never heard any testimony. I didn't even know who the witnesses were. They kept them all secret, which, you know, there was a reason that they did it really quick. They did it over Memorial Weekend, and they didn't want the public. To, they didn't want the public to know, because they knew they didn't have evidence. But they wanted to bury me in the cost of it, because I I had spent all my money on my campaign. So they did it during a period of time, where they knew I couldn't raise any money, because it was during session, and I had zero dollars. So they knew I wouldn't be able to hire lawyers, or it'd be very difficult to hire lawyers. And they had a four months head start on me. Mm-hmm. They had all the information. They were able to subpoena banks and all kinds of people. Um, to get information, and then they didn't. They were supposed to share it with me, but they they didn't. They delayed, 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 and they also assumed that I would never be able to get legal representation. Well, you know, I'm still millions of dollars in debt, but I I was able to raise enough money to convince lawyers to come down and bet on the con that I'd be able to pay them down the road. So, in all of that, you know, I get a gag order put on me, which I think was still I'm I, illegal, and it it mm-hmm. hurt me because I couldn't respond to anything. Whereas the house would leak to the press. And no, there was no consequence for their leak, leaking right. all kinds of stuff. And I couldn't say anything. So it was, and this is all at the hands of fellow Republicans. Yes. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had no money. I had no lawyers. I had no staff because in three days I'm out like that. And then Glenn Hager, for some weird reason, decides, Comptroller. Comptroller, decides that I'm, he's not going to let me get paid my salary, even though they've proven nothing. And he made this wild accusation. And he said, well, sue me. But he knows I have to sue him in Austin. And you know my chances of winning anything in Austin on anything related to me? It's zero. It's the whole reason we settled. So the, then where are you at with that? I, I just don't. I never got my money. You'll never get it. No. Glenn said, sue me. And he knows that the liberal judges in Austin will never side with me, which is the wow. whole reason this whole case, this whole case that we settled, we settled it not because we thought we would, we should lose. Uh-huh. We knew we couldn't win in Austin. Right. So why spend millions of dollars? And I to think get that's a, important for people to understand. People don't understand. That, really? Austin courts will never rule. It doesn't matter what the law is. It doesn't matter the facts. They could be 100% on my side, which they were and which they are in this payment issue. But Glenn's mm-hmm. like, good luck. You know the liberal judges will side with me because they don't like you. And that's how it works. Wow. And so Glenn Hager made a call and he sided with the House. They why? probably Why would Glenn do that? I don't. All I can think is he wants to run for something else. Maybe he views me as competition. I don't know why. We've we'd always, you know, I've known. So him you all. don't suspect, and I'm totally just making stuff up here, but you don't suspect that he's been paid by somebody or he's been prompted think, by somebody. I think he probably had conversation with the house and he thought this is a great opportunity to hurt Ken. Everybody's piling on. Let's just I'll be a part of that. I'd love to be a part of that. It's it's sad because you know, he's he's making political decisions over what, of doing the right thing. It would be better for him to do the right thing for me and still face me in some future race if that was yeah. even going to happen, which I don't think it is, but just even assuming it was, better for him to stand up and do the right thing in mm-hmm. his job now 
and lose an election than to say, no, I'm going to look out for myself. I'm going to hurt him personally on purpose in violation of state law. I think that's kind of become a theme. Do the right thing. So like when you spoke the other night, it was like, I'm going to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. And if they throw me in jail or whatever happens, Look, let it happen. I, I'm only here. I truly believe I'm here because God wanted me here. I would. I didn't have really any chance of winning it the way it was set up. I mean, try to put together a legal team in like two weeks. Uh, and they've got like all the money that they need to buy or whoever, mm-hmm. anybody they want. And they had a head start. Gosh, we didn't talk about that. The, worth. the money, like they haven't even yeah. disclosed and it all, won't. have they? He won't because yeah. he doesn't want anybody to know. Again, this is all supposed to be secret. They're not going to tell you how much they mm-hmm. spent. They didn't want to tell you, uh, you know, how they did it, who the witnesses were. And they didn't want to swear anybody in because then they, they might have to change their testimony later, right? If they sworn them in, then they would have been locked in. But I'm here because, I mean, it's a miracle I'm here. And I believe that God delivered me. And so I don't. I know they're going to keep coming after me, but I'm not worried about it. I'm going to do what I think is right, and I, I'm praying every day that I do what's right, and I'm not afraid of these people who are going to threaten to put me in jail or whatever they're going to do. I don't, I don't care. When fear is not part of the equation, you can do anything. So. And I think part of the reason you're here is grassroots supporters. Julie and I just have never seen oh, gosh, yes. outrage like we saw when this impeachment thing came down. And, I mean, we we as as citizens didn't have a lot that we could do, but we hounded our it representatives and yeah. our senators. I'm saying God delivered, but he used the people of Texas yeah. because there was nothing else on my side. Yeah. And I knew that. I told my legal team, I, I am fortunate because I have been doing this a while, putting together teams of lawyers, mm-hmm. whether in my job or to defend myself. And so I've had practice. <laughs> and so I I'm, I wish I didn't have that much practice, but I am better at doing it than I should be, maybe even. And the House is not good at it. They, they did a terrible job of putting Clearly. me on a team. <laughs> Whereas I put together a good team really fast. But that is not what saved me. It was the people of Texas. I told my lawyers, you're going to have to win every day. You're going to win every hour. If I lose one minute, I'll lose. Because they're looking for a way to get me yes. out. The politicians, whether they're in the Senate or the House, and I'm not saying all of them. I had some great senators in there that, that did. They were just hugely amazing. But it was the people of Texas who said, you know what? You can tell us not to talk to you, but we elected you. We're going to talk to you. So you may not talk to us, and you may hide under this thing that you're a juror, which you're not. You're mm-hmm. an elected senator. But they tried to hide under that, and they tried to use that, and they tried to say there was a gag order on everybody. All ridiculous. Yeah. They were elected people who represent you, and you should have been able to speak to it. And guess what? That word got through, and some of these senators that wanted my job had to still vote for me because they knew that they were going to be accountable. And yeah. I think what they were hoping, the House and the Senate, I just resigned and go away. And what I told my attorneys and I told everybody around me, quit believing the story that I'm resigning. I don't care what they say about me. I don't care what the trial says. I don't care what happens at trial. They are going to have to vote me out. I'm going to make them. I will not give in. They will vote me out. The people put me here, and then they're going to be held accountable for that vote, good or bad. Mm-hmm. But I will not let them off that hook. Yeah. And in the end, it worked out. But I think not only did you win, and, and you know, it, it did work out other than the fact that you didn't get paid. But, I mean, the the silver lining is is what Fran was alluding to. The activists are now engaged and people are they mad are. and they're willing, you know, with the 27 people you've endorsed, we're ready to change things up. And it's it's beautiful. Well, I think my story is uh, not that I'm anywhere close to this reference in the Bible of Joseph, 
when he said to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Yes. I think this terrible thing that happened to me, which was, you know, every day was hard to get up and fight. I bet. Um, and not give into this. Um, I think that it highlighted the just the awfulness of the house and how we have this incredible need yes. to fix this because they it became very public what mm-hmm. they were doing yeah. for the first time. And all these years we've been fighting to change the house. This is our I think this is our chance. And so, you know, I wish I wasn't the person that got you yeah. this one. <laughs> Nobody but would want to be. I don't I don't have any regrets that it is me. And I'm I'm trying to commit as much time as I can on top of my job to go out and let people know what happened to me. And, you know, the, the media dubbed this the revenge tour. It's not the revenge, the revenge tour. tour. It's the redemption tour. We're redeeming the house. The people of that. Texas are redeeming the house. The media can call it a revenge tour. But this isn't about revenge. This is about redemption. That's beautiful. I got to remember that. So I think everybody watching, Fran and I, we definitely, I mean, we know Texas is blessed to have you. And I think even more so, we're blessed to have you with this interview launching our podcast. So unless there are are closing words you want to say? Well, first of all, I'm really glad you all are doing a podcast and I'm honored to be the first podcast. So thank you for having (laughs) me. And I really hope that you'll continue to talk about the quarter column appeals and these house races. You count on that. They're just, this is our chance. This is the best chance we have had since I started. Good. So where could people find your complete list of who you're supporting? So or is there um, one that's a good question. So um, KenBaxon.com and at, uh, at TX, we'll, we'll be tweeting it out, and I'll okay. make sure it gets put up on our website if it's not there already. Great. And people can find our recommendations, which pretty well mirror yours, um, on TrueTexasProject.com. So yeah. thank you, Ken. We really appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thanks Glad for here. all that you're doing. Thank you. All right. Well, that was a great conversation with Ken Paxton. We knew it would be because folks are always asking us, when do we get to talk to Ken Paxton? So hopefully you guys at home enjoyed that conversation and maybe learned a little bit about what's going on and everything he's doing because it's amazing. But of course, we know, obviously, as he addressed, um, he is very focused on elections. And what a coincidence. So are we. So... um, we yeah. have just finished our day of action. Yeah, we did that on January 27th. We had people from all over the state in all of our satellite locations working with a local candidate to do something. Some people block walked. Uh, some people did phone banking. There might have been some texting going on. But we had true Texans all over the state working on campaigns on that day. And that was such an exciting thing for us. Uh, we're also, um, it, it's not just now that it's like urgent and and elections are right around the corner. We've been working on elections for months and ever since since, August. Is it since August? We've been doing the how-to videos every single month at True Texas Project meetings. We've been um, sharing with people different how-to videos like um, how to vet candidates, how to start a PAC, how to get involved in the GOP convention process. All of these are on our website. So we are, well, you can link from our website to our YouTube YouTube page and we just really encourage you guys to dig through there and and just gain some knowledge and get involved in the election process. Julie, that's so important this year, especially there are so many opportunities to replace some bad, bad people with some good people. But we need people to get out and work it. We need them to work the polls. We need them to work the well, campaigns. Well, why don't you tell them about, I mean, everybody knows we can work the polls for candidates, right? Yeah. But what about, everybody's always talking about election fraud. What do we do with that? Yeah. So become an election worker. Uh, we need uh, election judges, alternate judges and clerks and poll 
people watchers. And the, the clerks and the judges' positions are paid positions. So contact your local uh, GOP county office and find out how you can get plugged in. Um, it's, you know, it's just the two weeks leading up to this election or election day itself. You can choose when and where you want to work. And I've always believed that election workers are the frontline defense of election integrity. So much happens at the polls. And if we have honest people working the polls, they catch it right away and, and put a stop to it right there. It's just super, super important. Julie, tell us a little bit about our candidate recommend or our voting recommendations oh, that are right, on the of website. Course. So, um, you guys, we have spent hours and hours, <laughs> Fran and I, oh my gosh, Zoom call after Zoom call interviewing so many candidates. Um, and most of them were pretty good. Uh, yeah. We don't have any like wild, crazy stories. Um, but now you can go to our website and you can look at the candidates that we chose, candidates that leadership from all your um, local satellite teams have chosen. Yeah, because our satellite teams have been busy interviewing and vetting candidates as well at the local level. Right. And so then we created flyers for you um, that you can print out at home. You can download them from our website. It tells you every single contested race on your ballot. So contested means they have a challenger. You're going to find races on your ballot where there's only one candidate we didn't mess with that. It takes up way too much space. But if it's a contested race where there's more than one candidate in the Republican primary, we've provided you with our input. Now, we never tell anybody how to vote, okay? We want you to use this as the start of your own research, but some of those races are hard. Like, are. Fran, when we're interviewing those judges, that is— Judges are the hardest to vet. Uh, some of them are very close-lipped about answering questions, but— um, we, we do our best to provide you with a guide, and then you all have to make your own decisions in, in the place and time where you're at. Right. So, so go to our website, truetexasproject.com slash election 2024. You can find all of our voter, voter recommendations, and there's a bunch of them. So you'll have to just scroll down and find your county. Um, what else? Um, Let's talk about what's coming up um, in February for True Texas Project oh, yes. at our 18 locations. Um we, we host 18 monthly meetings with 18 speakers every single month, and uh, we're kind of famous for our speakers being really, really great. So we just got a lot going on. Uh, yeah, let's look, let's kind of talk about some of these speakers yeah. that are coming in. We've got a guy that comes in and talks about how they're destroying our military with their wokeness, right? And he has a military background. He knows what he's talking about, and it will alarm you. And I heard him just last week uh, in uh, Bear County. He's awesome. But scary, the stuff he tells, it'll scare the pants off you. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so much of what we talk about will scare the pants off of yeah. you, which is why we like to meet in groups because then you realize you're not alone. Um, but we've also got um, the the guys that provide insurance for uh, the personal carry, the— yeah, concealed, con carry, con concealed carry, that's concealed the word I'm carry. looking for. Um, uh, they give really good talks on when to use defense yeah. and— just tips on being a, a, a and gun then, carrier. And then also if you use if you have to use your firearm, what to do afterwards because there's it's a process. So they're there to help with that. Uh, let's see. We've got a town hall event coming up with Congressman Ronnie Jackson out of the Denton area. Yep. Um, we've got Heritage Action is coming to speak to one of our groups. Um, they're always a good speaker. Uh, what else? We talk about CBDCs, which was a topic that was way over my head, but 
Sanjay does a great job breaking it down and helping us understand. And does everybody so, know what CBDCs are? Do you? I do. Go ahead and tell them. Because <laughs> she doesn't know. It's digital currency. Central bank digital <laughs> currency. It's it's coming, folks. So you need to know about it and understand it so that you can defend yourself against it. But for so. those of you that can't get to our meetings, which is why we're doing this podcast, don't worry. We record tons of our speakers. We don't record all of them, but we record most of them. And again, you can go to our YouTube channel to check those out. So like we said, we're so focused on action. We want you to come to the meetings. We want you to work on elections. Um, We are about to launch ticket sales for uh, Texas Tough, which is our biggest party of the year. And you guys, this year, we are pulling out all the stops. Of course, we have the cannons and we have the fireworks. Um, We have a great speaker, but we're focusing more on dancing this year. So um, it's it's, so fun. It's going to be huge. We have it in the stockyards. So what is more Texan than you know, the Fort Worth stockyards. Yeah. So and no matter where you live in Texas, trust me, it's worth the trip to come to this. And uh, we're, we'll have a special deal at a hotel in Fort Worth with really reasonable rates for our out-of-towners. So we kind of try to take care of everything. So, Fran, there's just one thing we haven't covered yet, and that is our legislative action items. So uh, once again, I mean, you're going to hear us beating this drum over and over. We do something. Um, So tell us about the legislative issues we can address. Yeah, the legislature is in recess right now, so they don't actually come back into session until 2025. But during the interim, a lot of stuff happens. I used to think, oh, I, you know, I get a vacation now in between legislative <laughs> no sessions. No vacations in politics. <laughs> None. Um, because during the interim is when all of the committees will be meeting to discuss uh, how to implement and oversee the legislation that was passed in the previous uh, year's session. Uh, they, they will hold public hearings just like they do when they're considering bills, uh, and we can go and testify and help advise them on the implementation and oversight of all of these new laws. So that'll start happening uh, pretty soon, probably definitely after the primary, but uh, the summer months are usually pretty active for interim hearings. So watch for my Friday messages about that. We will have specific actions. We will go to the Capitol. We will testify. We will talk to legislators and uh, see if we can't uh, mitigate some of the bad stuff and enhance some of the good stuff that they passed last session. So wherever you are in Texas, Fran, anybody can do something, right? So they can go to Austin if they're able, but what if they can't get to Austin? They can make phone calls and they can write letters and and emails and contact their own uh, representatives. But we'll put all of that in the messages that we send out with the action items. We try to make it easy for you. But it, it does take effort. I don't like lazy activists. <laughs> um, you know, it's more than just click here and click there, and then somebody else will send something for you. We want you to do it yourselves in your own words. It's so much more effective when you and do it And so that much way. more rewarding. That's right? true. That's yeah. true. So I know that um, this is gone on way longer than we intended it to do. So uh, we should probably wrap this up for this month. Um, Next month, we are going to have a great um, guest speaker. We've got Luke Macias coming in. So of Macias Strategies, he knows all the ins and outs about elections and um, what races we should be watching. um, And and we'll be airing that right before... the actual election day. So um, that should be a a good one. But for now, uh, here's to Texas. And here's to true Texans. Thanks, everybody.